Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Five Notorious Serial Killers Who Strangled Serial killer stranglers are a unique breed of sadistic murderers. They draw pleasure from seeing the life of their victims extinguish right before their very eyes. On the other side, this is probably one of the most horrific ways for a victim to die. Here are five notorious serial killers who strangled. Number five, the Bayou Strangler. Those who knew Ronald Dominique thought he was just another ordinary guy living in a trailer. Despite his huge size, his inoffensive and non-threatening appearance would lead anyone to think that he's the type of guy who couldn't even hurt a fly. But just like a coin, Dominique had a different side. Between the years 1997 and 2006, the Bayou Blue, New Orleans native, had murdered at least 23 men and boys ranging between the ages of 19 and 40. He would either strangle or smother his victims after forcing himself on them. Their bodies would later be found dumped in the vast swath of sugarcane fields and desolate swamplands, as well as in ditches and remote areas. And the way that he did his crimes were terrifying. Using his harmless charm, this sexual predator would prey on his unsuspecting targets by offering them money in exchange for sex. The deal was supposedly attractive, especially to those who were also homosexual. Homeless individuals looking for some quick cash were drawn into the offer as well. There were times when the strangers were heterosexual, but that wouldn't deter him. He would just tell the person that they would be having sex with Dominique's non-existent wife. As soon as the deal was struck then, he would lead his victims back to his trailer. There he would reveal the condition in which he needed them to be bound up before doing the deed. And once the prey was tied up, Dominique would rape them. For fear that they might tell the authorities, the rapist would then choke or strangulate his victims. Afterwards, he would ditch their bodies in one of the six jurisdictions in southern Louisiana. Interestingly, the Louisiana was not the insistent type. If his target chose to bail out from the tryst, he wouldn't go after them. One of those lucky enough to break free from his clutches tipped the authorities who, at this point in time, were already clamoring to capture the so-called Bayou Strangler. It didn't take long for the police to arrest Dominique. On December 1st, 2006, 
He then confessed to the rape and murder of more than 20 people in suburban Nolans. He was subsequently found guilty and sentenced to eight life sentences, which he is currently serving at the Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola. Despite the shocking degrees of his crimes, Dominique's arrest and eventual imprisonment received little publicity, partly because it happened around the time when Hurricane Katrina devastated the country. Others believed it is because the victims are low-profile, homeless people that the public wouldn't bother to care about. By no means, just because you didn't hear about it doesn't mean his exploits weren't completely terrifying. Number 4. The Vienna Strangler We've all heard stories of prisoners who, regardless of what deeds they committed, turned their lives around. Johan Jack Underwedger had once become living proof that anyone can be redeemed from their sins, at least that's what the public believed. Born in Austria in 1950, Unterweger had this feeling of contempt towards sexual workers since he was young. He was only 16 when he assaulted one. By his late teenage years, he had been in and out of prison for a number of violent offenses against prostitutes. Then came December 1974. The Austrian killed Margaret Schaefer by strangling her with her own bra. Two years later, he was caught and then sentenced to life in prison. Once behind bars, something about Unterweger seemed to have changed drastically. Reports said the man was previously illiterate, but he later learned to read and write while in prison. The newfound interest propelled him to produce a prolific body of work, and it was surprising to say the least. He wrote poems, short stories, novels, and even plays. His book, End Station Zacthius, became a bestseller and later won a prestigious literary award. This and his apparent good behavior attracted the attention of Austria's creative elite who, for many years, had lobbied for his early release. And then, because of this, in 1990, he finally got out of jail. His literary fame grew even more when he got out. His books even became required reading in schools, He got invited on television shows, and he became a resource person on so many literary events around the world. But one thing that bothered most people was the fact that Unterweger never seemed to move on from the theme of murder and violence, particularly against women. Five months after he got his freedom, law enforcement found that the ex-convict went on a global killing spree. He killed one in Czechoslovakia, seven in Austria, and a few others in West Germany. He even attempted to murder three Americans when he went to the country as an invited journalist, and his total number of victims is believed to be around 15. It's shocking to know that he did all these in less than a year since he got out, and the majority of his victims were prostitutes. The same as what he did in his first conviction, the so-called Vienna Strangler, had sexually assaulted all of his victims, beaten them, and strangled the women with their own bras. After acquiring enough evidence, American law enforcers finally caught up with Unterweger in February of 1992 down in Miami, Florida. Three months later, he was extradited back to Austria, where he was charged with 11 murders. He was found guilty of nine of them, 
and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole on June 29, 1994. On the night of that same day, he was sentenced. Jack Unterwedger then hanged himself in prison using a rope made from shoelaces and a cord. Many had seen Unterwedger as an essential reminder that a person at fault could definitely rise above his or her circumstances. But, as we have shown in the later part of his life, it can't be helped to wonder, can a killer really change their stripes? Number 3. The Stockwell Strangler Serial killers are known for their vile acts. However, there are those remembered for some peculiar reasons. One of them is Kenneth Erskine. When he was in prison, he saved the life of another killer. It's quite admirable, but despite this, the public could never forget the fact that the British criminal had committed some of the most terrifying atrocities. Abandoned at a very young age, Erskine grew up in a life of crime and violence. He had been living in and out of prison for drugs, theft, burglary, and assault, and things escalated into a murderous degree when in 1986 he broke into the home of a 78-year-old woman who he strangled and raped. He later cleaned up the house and took all her valuables. Already too calloused, he went on to kill another senior citizen, again by strangulation. He continued his murder spree, killing two men in a single day, both of whom were World War II veterans who lived in Stockwell, England. They were found strangled and sexually assaulted as well. Two more elderly individuals suffered the same fate, and the final victim was an 83-year-old whom he also assaulted and choked to death. His apprehension came when a 74-year-old man who he attempted to strangle identified him. When he was arrested, Erskine was only in his 20s, a drug addict, and without a home. His depravity showed well even during the time he stood trial for his crimes. Reports said that the so-called Stockwell Strangler masturbated during one of his courtroom hearings. The judge found him guilty on seven counts of murder, and he was sentenced to life in jail in 1988. He was later transferred to Broadmoor Mental Hospital, and it was here where he rescued an inmate from being strangled by another convicted criminal. Then, in 2009, a review of his case prompted authorities to commute his crime from murder to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. By 2028, Erskine now becomes eligible for parole. When that time comes, he would be 66 years old, there's a lot of concern whether or not he'd return to the life of crime that he once had. After all, he showed no remorse over the horrific things that he did. Number 2. The Phoenix Strangler The thing about serial killers is they often try their very best to win over their victim's confidence. Once they have it, there's no telling what terrifying things they would do afterwards. Considering the poor living conditions in their place, a man from South Africa finds it quite easy to lure his targets. Sifo Thwala, the person in question, would convince women in his town that he could help them get a job as domestic servants in hotels. 
Desperate to earn a living, these jobless individuals would find themselves drawn towards his promise. But Thwala didn't have to talk to everyone at the same time. Thwala would pick these individuals one at a time because of a malicious reason, which was to have his chance to pounce on his prey. When he got around to persuading a woman, he would accompany them on a long hike through the vast sugarcane fields at the foot of Mount Edgecombe, which is near the town of Phoenix, South Africa. Once the couple was alone and deep in the cane fields, Thwala would attack the woman and blind her with her own undergarments. Now immobile, he would then proceed to sexually assault the victim, and after that, the rapist would beat the woman senseless until ultimately strangling her to death. In an attempt to cover his tracks, the so-called Phoenix Strangler would then set fire to the portion of the sugarcane field where he raped and slayed the woman. Quite surprisingly, his M.O. worked well for him, so much so that he continued doing it between 1996 and 1997. He had, in total, murdered 16 women given that small span of time. His arrest came in 97 when the South African police were able to match the DNA found on some of his victims to the DNA taken from the suspect in 1994. At that time, he was arrested and then later acquitted over a rape charge. In 1999, a South African high court found Thwala guilty of murder and rape, and then he was given a steep sentence of 506 years in prison. Life can be quite difficult at times. With no means to earn money, Thwala's victims had to trust him that he could give them a bright future. Little did they know of the unspeakable tragedy waiting for them in that proverbial killing field. Number 1. Javed Iqbal The punishment for the crimes of Javed Iqbal are considered to be some of the most brutal in modern history. Some even thought it to be inhumane, but after you hear about this vile man's exploits, you would perhaps agree with the judge who handed down the sentence. Not much is known about Iqbal's early life except that he was born in Lahore, Pakistan, to well-off parents. Reports said that he was a successful businessman himself, but he seemed to have some behavioral problems. Between 1985 and 1990, there have been a lot of complaints lodged against him. The charges accused him of sodomy, an act that is not only taboo, but is also highly forbidden in a Muslim society such as theirs. But, for some undisclosed reasons, he was never convicted on any of the charges. Then came December of 1999, much to the surprise of everyone, the Pakistani sent a letter to the police wherein he confessed to raping and killing 100 boys who were aged between 6 and 16. The same copy of the correspondence was also sent to a prominent local newspaper. In his confession, he declared that most of his victims were young beggars and street children, whom he easily lured to his home in the whore. There, he sexually assaulted them and strangled them to death. Afterwards, he dismembered their bodies and dissolved the remains in a vat filled with hydrochloric acid before throwing that into a river. In the same letter, Iqbal said he could have done so much more. I could have killed 500. This was not a problem. 
money was not a problem, but the pledge I had taken was of killing 100 children, he said. He explained that he had done all these as revenge against the police, who, he said, had also abused and assaulted him following an arrest. No details were provided regarding this matter, however. A month later, the self-confessed rapist and killer turned himself in at the office of the publication where he sent his letter of confession, and there he was subsequently arrested by the police. During his trial, Iqbal suddenly recanted all of his previous statements, but it was to no avail. Turns out he had been keeping detailed records of his despicable deeds, including the names and ages of his victims, and he even took pictures of them. Obviously, this evidence was used against him. At the height of the investigation, police also found numerous pieces of children's clothing at his home, and these certainly proved beyond any reasonable doubt that indeed what he confessed was true. He was consequently found guilty and given a hundred death sentences. The Pakistani judge who oversaw the trial went on to pass down an order whereby the convicted would be garroted with the same chain he used to strangle his young victims. In a similar fashion, his body would also then be cut into a hundred pieces and dissolved in acid. The judge wanted the parents of all the victims to witness the execution. However, days before the punishment was carried out, Iqbal was found dead in his prison cell. There were clear indications of foul play, but his death was officially ruled a suicide. Iqbal's gruesome case attracted attention from around the world, but not only because he was thought to be one of the coldest serial killers in history, but also because of his punishment, which, according to most of the public, would have been a fitting end. So there were five notorious serial killers who strangled. Regardless of how they do it, whether they use ligatures or their bare hands, Killers who end their victims' lives through strangulation are definitely some of the most depraved and vile murderers in all of crime's history. If you guys like this video, then please subscribe to our channel, hit that notification bell. We have new videos coming out every single week for you guys to check out. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you soon.